804 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Tonight, CFL action. Lions, Riders. Joining us now to break it all down, our good buddy Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? Nice to see you guys back after your six-week vacation. Guess what we're doing next week? Taking vacation. You got it, brother. Got it, buddy. Yes. I'm Bye. so excited about it. But before we do that, we need to talk about this Lions team, which we talked a lot about this week, although it's been tough because most of what we talked about is Nathan Rourke's injury. The Liz Frank probably season ending. So life with Michael O'Connor begins tonight. What can we expect from him realistically, especially in this particular game, his first start after the Rourke injury? Well, I mean, you can't expect what Nathan Rourke was doing. That was almost superhuman. But he's looked really good in practice. He knows the offense. Um, the receivers are, are very confident in him uh, in, in terms of O'Connor progressing through the right reads. And that's one thing that he's worked on this year, and he's done a good job of thus far in practice, is going through that progression. Now, he's not going to be as fast as Nathan Rourke going through that progression, but he does have a very good arm. I mean, he can throw the deep ball. So, you know, is this offense just going to drop off a cliff and score three points? No. Um, Is it going to take a dip? Yes, in all likelihood. But I still think that you, you look at this team now, um, I think one of the things that's going to have to happen is that their special teams is going to have to really clutch up, and we'll get into that in a bit because their field position this year has been absolutely awful for the most part, their average starting field position. But they've been, they've been able to overcome it by having Nathan Rourke at the helm. So what they need now is they need the other facets of the game to clutch up a little bit, have shorter fields, and allow Michael O'Connor the ability to move the football and not having to move the football seven yards to get some points, but maybe say 30 or 40 or 50. What's O'Connor's mobility like? Because I've talked about this a couple times now. Everyone talks about the passing stats that Rourke put up, but Rourke was also, at the time of the injury, the second leading rusher in terms of yards on the team and the second leading player in the entire CFL in rushing touchdowns of seven. So he he produced a lot with his legs and with his feet. Uh, What's O'Connor like in terms of mobility? He's not bad, but he's not as mobile as Nathan. So, you know, there, there's the other point. And the other thing, too, that I think com, comes into play here is that um, this offensive line, you know, they played an extra American this year. And I think with Nathan's decision-making process and how quick it was that I don't want to say it masked some of the issues with the offensive line, but it helped the offensive line, right? And it's going to be interesting to see now with Michael there was not as mobile as Nathan and probably making decisions a little bit slower than Nathan, how that impacts um, the Lions in terms of their protection and how that offensive line performs now. So, again, you're asking another unit of your team to kind of up their game to compensate for the loss of Nathan Rourke. Uh, will the Lions get more conservative with their play calling? Because you wouldn't really want to waste that great collection of receivers just by uh, calling conservative plays, where they're, whether they're runs or short passes, but at the same time, you don't have Nathan Rourke in there. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get more conservative, Jason. Uh, I think what they would like to do is get Michael in more comfortable downs and distances. You don't want, say, situations where it's second and nine, second and ten, second and eight. 
you probably would like situations if it's, you know, a second and three or a second and four, kind of those 50-50 type downs where it leaves the defensive guessing, which would obviously help Michael O'Connor. So, again, they would like to run the football now. If they can, it makes Michael O'Connor's job a lot easier. If they can't, it'll make it a lot tougher. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Bob is a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection. Just over the bridge in Maple Ridge, the opponent for this weekend, or sorry, tonight, Moj, is, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a familiar opponent two times already this season, including last week. Um, I feel like the Rough Riders have had a hard time beating anyone that's not Edmonton. They've obviously had a tough time with the Lions. What can we expect from Cody Fajardo and company tonight? Well, uh, you know, you talk about injuries with the Lions. The Rough Riders have been hit hard since the last game as well. Their leading receiver, Duke Williams, is out with a hip injury. Jamal Morrow, the league's outstanding running, the, probably the best running back in the league. He's out with a broken hand. Uh, Justin McKinnis, who I think caught 11 passes last week against the Lions, had like a career night. He's not in the lineup due to an injury. So they've taken some hits. And Anthony Lanier up front, who has seven quarterback sacks, and is leading the CFL race. Pardon me, he's tied with uh, his teammate Pete Robertson with seven quarterbacks. He's out of the lineup. So the Rough Riders have taken a big hit. But, I mean, this is a team that it's really struggling this year. Probably the biggest reason why is their offensive line. They've given up 33 sacks, which is the most in the – pardon me, 37 sacks they've given up, which is the most in the CFL. So the issues with Saskatchewan lie with that offensive line. And Cody Fajardo's taken a lot of heat in Saskatchewan because of his performance. But – a lot of that's directly related to that O-line. And, guys, I've watched some of their games. Their O-line's horrible. I mean, we're talking three-man rush versus five in some situations, and the defense is getting home with three men. I mean, it's just – it's been absolutely brutal. The last game, they changed both tackles. Um, but I think this is a Saskatchewan team that comes into BC. It's struggling. The strength of the Saskatchewan team, conversely, is their defensive line, 33 sacks, which leads the CFL. So their front seven on defense is very good. Um, but the receiving core is real thin. They've lost Morrow, who's their outstanding running back, and they've got a horrible offensive line. That offense is – they're not going to put points on the board, not against this BC defense. Hey, Moj, back to the BC Lions quarterbacking uh, situation. I, I don't want to sound like I don't believe in Michael O'Connor, but just for the record, what do the Lions have in the other two guys, Pipkin and Thompson? Well, uh, I'll say one thing and I've said this right from the get-go, don't go to sleep on Kevin Thompson. He's a kid that was at Sacramento State, had some good years there. He transferred to UW and was going to be in the quarterback mix there until he got hurt. Um, But this is a kid who's mobile. He's got a strong arm. He got injured in the preseason. He looked really good in training camp, and they got hurt in that game in Calgary. Um, He's been healthy for a while now. He's been getting reps, and... I think they have full confidence in Kevin Thompson if they have to put him into a game at some point. They also have Antonio Pipkin, but I mean, Pipkin to me, you know, I don't, he had a shot a little bit, you know, with the Alouettes and all that and back East. But I think to me, if I'm looking at someone who's going to come in and maybe surprise people, I think it's Kevin Thompson. And Thompson's been getting, as you mentioned, how many reps has he been getting in practice? Like, have you been able to watch him much? Yeah, I mean, they focused on O'Connor this week in practice. I mean, trying to get him in as many reps as possible. So it was mainly Michael at at practice that was getting the reps. But, you know, here's the other thing, too, about O'Connor. Like, you know, he's stepping in and he's becoming a starter in the CFL for the first time. And people talk about the pressure of that. Kid knows a little bit about pressure. I mean, he did lead UBC to a Vanier Cup. 
in 2015. So in terms of that internal pressure, I think he knows how to handle that. He's a very cool, calm type guy. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He's just kind of like an even keel type. So I think mentally, in terms of how he's suited to play quarterback, I think O'Connor's, he's going to be fine. Hey, Moj, I want to ask you one NFL question. We were talking about this earlier in the show. If the 49ers cut Jimmy G, should the Seahawks go after him? I'd say yes. I mean, ask yourself this question. Is he better than Geno Smith? Is he better than Drew Locke? Yes. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it's simple. It's going to be interesting with the Hawks this year. I mean, they revamped their offensive line. I really think that, you know, you're going to see Pete Carroll focus on that running game. And, man, I just, I don't know. A lot of people are down on the Hawks. I see them probably about as a 500 team this year. But I don't think Geno Smith's your answer at quarterback. I mean, really? You're trying to sell Geno Smith to your fans. And I know that, you know, he didn't look that bad in the last game. He had some drops in terms of what his receivers did for him. But I'd, I'd go with Jimmy G. And now, of course, it's all dependent on the cost, but I'd go with Garoppolo over Geno Smith in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I do wonder if the Seahawks are thinking the same thing because Pete's been very hesitant to name a number one, and I do wonder if he's waiting to see what shakes out elsewhere. Moach, thanks for doing this, bud. Uh, have a good yeah, call tonight. We'll do this. Weekend. Yeah, we'll do this again soon. Thanks, Moach. Uh, that is Bob the Moj Marjanovic on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection, just over the bridge. In Maple Ridge. We'll do some Ask Us Anythings before Surrey Mayor Doug McCollum joins the show. Uh, this one is an Ask Us Anything unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Ask Us Anything. Mike often prompts the listeners to text into the show by saying, it's your chance to be on the radio. Given that you guys are already on the radio, what type of notoriety excites you? I.e., maybe having your question read on Hockey Night in Canada's After Hours. That was a good moment for you. I've already been there, done that, but my my name was mispronounced. Ex- but, yeah, that but, was but the, Jason the, the, the Brow. Jason Brow. Um, he, I don't know. Notoriety doesn't really excite me anyway. Excites isn't the word, but there's a certain sense of trepidation, maybe fears when no, we do. I tell- think but no, no, no. pride. Pride is. No, no, no. I'm talking about, I was going to finish a sentence there. This isn't necessarily a sense of excitement. I said maybe trepidation or fears when we do television. Because that's more notoriety for sure. Yeah. I, you never get more people texting or mm-hmm. tweeting at you or, hey, I saw you on TV last night. That's so, like, you never get that on radio. I, I, I apologized for that text. <laughs> and I don't know how many times I can apologize. I shouldn't have said that. It, ju- it just kind of underscores how much larger the audience is on television. And well, how there's, 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 there's a recognizable yeah the hand a clapping yeah. there's 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 more there's more to make fun of too there's a recognizability factor especially when you're you're caught in a candid moment doing a tiny clap or when we used to do the panels which you'll notice we don't do anymore when we used to do the panels and put on our best tip top suit and tie those and are go. not our specialty and they're not what we're great at no right definitely not yeah none of the stuff that you need to be successful on television we thrive at mm, we're not smooth no we don't clean up nice no um sure some people say i smell bad <laughs> i mean it's just we don't it's not us i get again for the guy that texted in uh admonishing me for a terrible show yesterday you're really rattled by this it's not rattled you so are much. you're rattled just admit you're a little bit you rattled brought it by up that. five times yeah you brought it up a lot you brought I'm, it up off air you I'm brought t- it up right now just speak it out just just be honest with yourself for I'm, one time in your life I, be honest I, with I, yourself you're I, a little well, bit rattled now i'm rattled because you won't shut up <laughs> shut up but um when when we do the show 
and you you kind of mentioned it as well. There's a certain like eh, it's Halford and Ruff screwing things up, mm-hmm. and it's kind of part of the show. Like what was I can't remember the one you used earlier. Um, the shipping sh- sink, right? Yeah. That and it's like uh, you get what I'm saying. You can't really do that on television. It doesn't resonate the same. Right. I don't know why. I don't know the dynamics. Because you're in a that. time crunch in TV. Actually, that's You've true got as Thirty well. seconds to spit it out. Yeah. And there's no and and then there's less um, ad libbing. And you know when we go off the rails, you don't really have the time to do that on television. You gotta have to be tight and succinct. Two things that we don't really have in our repertoire. All right, some really important questions here. One uh, from Mike and Aldergrove. Ask us anything. When you eat corn on the cob, are you a side to side eater or around and around? I saw. I, I saw this one. Yeah, I had I'm a to side to sider. Side to side for type, sure. The typewriter. Yeah, typewriter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually make the ding sound at the end. Someone kind of pulls, like I'm in an old cartoon. Someone pulls his arm up and down like a slot machine, then he starts all over again. I realize this. I yeah. am a round and round. I love corn on the corn on the cob. I do not like the all the stuff that gets in between your teeth. The aftermath. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. You have to go and floss your teeth almost right away. There's certain otherwise, otherwise it drives drives me crazy. There's certain food experiences where uh, the juice is maybe not worth the squeeze. I often find ribs, like rib, they taste great, mm-hmm. right? Everyone loves good fall off the bone pork, but yep. it's just a colossal mess, right? Chicken wings sometimes are like that for me. Any dressed wing, yeah, you know. Your well, finger- wings are the same. You get the you get it in your between your teeth. Yeah, and th- those are. But again, uh, have, I would. Uh, yes. Have you heard the viral TikTok corn song yet? Since we're talking about corn, I have not. Would you like to quickly hear it? It's Quite quick. Okay. It's not very long. I really like corn. What do you like about corn? It's cold. A big little bit not. It has the juice. It has the juice. It has the most beautiful thing. It's cold. I can tell you all about it. I mean, look at this. This is the is most. Is this more of a visual? No. Absolutely oh. not. Then why is it viral? I cannot tell you why. It is everywhere. Oh, okay. Huh. Is it, and it's like the girl's voice is auto-tuned, it sounds like. The little boy, yes. Oh, it's a boy. Okay. <laughs> boy. Well, I don't know. It's definitely auto-tuned. Then. Well, it's like the double rainbow song. Remember from back in the day? Double mm-hmm. rainbow all across the sky. Remember that? Here's a question that I've got. Do younger people have a different sense of humor than you? people our age? For yes. sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Sure. So how would you describe that sense of humor? Because I see sometimes on Twitter, there'll be like a little category. It's like viral tweets, right? And I'll read these tweets and be like, how did this go viral? This is this is a nothing. This is the like what? How do you describe the sense of humor of people? I don't know in high school or in their twenties. Like I, because because I I find stuff from, um, you know, like the seventies. If it's funny in the seventies, I will like. But I don't. I I don't. I I don't know. I'm old. I guess. Well, but. yeah. Like you're saying, humor from the seventies. I find older humor is more timeless because it, it's not as um, necessarily relevant to the time. It, it, hence the name. It, it is timeless. Like it carries on through the generations. Right. Whereas now I find the humor is very much specific to the time period. And if you're not following that meme, if or you're that not trend, following it, yeah, it just it goes completely over your head. Mm-hmm. I think our uh, genre is, our, is our irony dead. Well, Sarca- sarcasm, sarcasm. Is, I was just going to say sarcasm dead. Remember that bit in the Simpsons and Simpsons references also <laughs> a big part of our timeless. comedic. Yeah. But remember where they're sitting at the concert and he's like, are you being sarcastic? And the other guy goes, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Right. Like that was yeah, our, yeah, yeah. growing up, you said everything and you'd stare at them and he's like, I think he's being sarcastic. Yeah. Like sarcasm was the delivery for a long time with like, and then it was like very prevalent on SNL and 
all the the comedians that we kind of follow. And you can tell Bruff and I are really sarcastic, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, here comes that no, really? guy. He's cool. Are you being sarcastic, dude? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, that's us in a nutshell. And uh, modern, more contemporary, current, what's funny and what's comedic is not that way whatsoever. Yeah. Right? There's uh, your answer. Do we have any what we learned? Anything you got flagged? We got uh, Mayor Doug McCallum coming up soon, and it's going to be an, probably an interesting conversation with him. Um, I guess just to recap, he wants to build a 60,000 seat stadium in Surrey. Correct. And he's announced this pledge or this plan as part of his reelection, um, campaign or whatever there's, it's it's a campaign promise. It's a campaign promise to build a 60,000 seat stadium in Surrey. Now, part of me. Um, wonders if we're playing into a politician's hands right now simply by having him on the show. Is this a distraction? Because Doug McCallum has some things going on. Mm-hmm. There's a public mischief trial coming up, I believe, in October that has gotten a lot of attention. Is this a, hey, look over here instead type of thing? Hey, look, a shiny new toy. Are we giving him more name recognition um, simply by talking about this, by having him on the show, it is possible. And yet this falls right in our, like what we talk about, how often do we talk about stadiums in the lower mainland, you know, like whether or not BC place is good or bad for the lions or, or the white caps, you know, we, we often talk about like, if there's one thing you could have for lower mainland sports, if that's an ask us anything. And I remember we got that one and my answer would have been like a 30,000 seat outdoor stadium with a grass field in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Like that would be, so anytime, and you know, this is, a may, this is the mayor. This is not a, this is not a candidate for mayor making right. this claim. This is a guy that has a long standing in politics, uh, as mayor of Surrey and other positions, um, like he, he, he's, he's been around and he has done stuff. Like he's said things before, uh, like whether it's being the Surrey police force, uh, taking over for the RCMP. And a lot of people didn't agree with that. And he put that in motion. Now, how that's going, I don't really know. I think it's still in a, a work in progress. I don't live in Surrey. I don't deal with the issues in Surrey, but I know he has said some things in the past that people have been like, I don't know about that. And he's made things happen, or he's he's made progress on those sorts of things. Now, this one seems a little different than that, and it's just kind of our specialty, right? It's like we know stadiums, we know what sports teams needs. We we talk about this all the time. So, I on in some ways, I was like, should we do this? But on the other, I was like, we have to do this. Well, I'll just jump in. I think the one thing that we can come back to that we talk about earnestly and honestly and frequently on the show is the feasibility of sports in. Vancouver. We talk about it all the time, right? We talk about could MLB ever exist right. in Vancouver? We talk about will BC Place ever be an adequate home for the current tenants because it's always been an issue. We talk about Pavco. We talk about all these things that are in and around housing, sporting events because it's a big thing. It's it's the lower mainland. It's the Fraser Valley. It's real estate, but it all ties back 
to our expertise, and I use that term loosely, but our expertise, which is sports and the market. Yeah. We understand sports. We understand how sports work in the market. So this is a big development in that regard, and we're going to find out more about it next. Doug McCallum, the mayor of Surrey, is going to join us coming up right here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to Kelowna, California, West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah, Kelowna, baby, best place in the world, right here. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Hey, thirty-one on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour three of the program. Uh, Mayor of Surrey, Doug McCallum, is going to join us in a moment here. Uh, hour three of the Halford and Bruff Show is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Finally, back-to-school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are on now at Fido. You can visit them in store or on the internet at Fido. To the phone lines we go. We are joined now by the Mayor of Surrey, Doug McCollum, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Good morning, and good morning to all your listeners today. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We do appreciate it. Uh, We want to talk about the proposed 60,000-seat stadium in your city, which has garnered a lot of headlines and a lot of news over the last 48 hours. I want to get right to the beginning of it, the genesis of the project and the idea. When did this all begin? When was the plan first hatched, and how did it get hatched? Well, over the last couple of years, actually, um, the city of Surrey has really moved ahead in a lot of sports events. Um, we've um, won a lot of competitions to have um, international sports events in Surrey. We're getting recognized literally all over the world. Just last week, we got the world's men's fastball tournament awarded to us um, competition with um, um, stadiums and and, and, um, and cities all over the world, including Britain, Europe, and uh, the U.S. And um, we, we're getting recognized, and, and we don't have a big um, um, types stadium in Surrey and for a number of years we've been working and talking with the BC Lions for instance which do have their offices in Surrey and have their playing field in Surrey their their practice field and so forth Um, we've also talked to um, the Canucks and and um, the possibility of looking at a farm team for example or to play some games if we had the stadium um, in in Surrey because when you look at the spectators that go to the BC Lions and, and the Canucks, for, for, for example, then, uh, well, it's, it's well known that over 50% that go there, probably a lot higher to 60, 70% of the people that go to those games live in Surrey because we are a fast growing, we're, we're a city of families now, and, and we need a facility of this type. Um, we believe very strongly that sports in all forms include we have some of the best soccer fields um, in Metro Vancouver. We have a lot of tournaments on that in soccer. The kids, uh, we're going to build actually a couple more soccer fields this year if we get elected. 
Um, and so we need one big um, facility, like a stadium. Um, the other part of it, too, is just not sports. We have huge cultural events. Um, and, um, you know, we have Visaki parades that attract 400,000 people. And, and so they always are looking for a very large uh, facility um, to hold some of the cultural things. So this is going to be a multi-use um, stadium. So I think where the criticism has come from this, and frankly, the disbelief has come from this, is the 60,000-seat stadium. That is a big stadium. That's a massive stadium. The Lions themselves have said that BC Place is too big for them. So how did you, uh, how did you come up with a 60,000-seat stadium? Well, we've been um, in, in talking to a lot of different groups, especially in our cultural um, activities. Um, they can easily fill those type of um, um, uh, stadium for cultural events. Um, we also want to make it a trade center where big trade shows would come. Um, and um, we also want to build it um, for, you know, the next uh, 30, 40 years. And um, Surrey's growing right now at a rate of 1,500 people a month moving in. That's going to increase when immigration starts up. Um, we also are going to double our building we, We've, um, um, in, as far as our housing is concerned over the next couple of years. And so our growth is, is going to take off in the next four or five years. So we feel that we have to also build it for the future, not for just now, which we desperately need, but we've got to build it also for the future. It, it just seems that there hasn't been full thought put into this because like you said, you mentioned that that you've spoken to the Canucks. What could the Canucks possibly use a 60,000 seat stadium for? Well, they, they could use the stadium, um, certainly for the farm team and so forth. No farm team um, has a 60,000-seat stadium. Yeah, but it's it's important that we have that type of capacity for all the uses that we are going to be looking to. The Canucks also to, own their own arena. Like, what, would they would they move? Like, it's just, there's so many questions I, I have about this. You mentioned that there would be possibly provincial funding. Well, the province owns BC Place. Why would they help fund a, a competitor to BC Place that would take one of their main tenants, the BC Lines, out of that building? Well, you know, we work with the governments all the time. We just re worked really hard and got $4 billion out of the federal and provincial government to build um, SkyTrain out to Surrey um, because of our growth. Um, and um, the same, the same, you know, we can still uh, go with the province and the federal government. Um, SP is playing a big part of it. Probably a third of the funding the city will be putting in, where we're going to provide the land. The land's already there. SkyTrain is going to be built right beside it. And we are going to uh, build a stadium that's very innovative. Um, in that we're not going to allow any cars there, for example. And you're not going to allow any cars. Is there a stadium in North America, a 60,000-seat stadium in North America or anywhere in the world that does not allow cars near it? Yeah, there's there's one in Sydney that's recently built. Um, there's one in 
the Canucks, for example, there's not there's some parking around there, but it's not a lot of parking. People need to get out of their cars to go to these things. Um, that's how we're building our city, for for example. Um, we're, we're trying to build a city with, with very few cars in it as we go into the future. And so um, we have to build these um, stadiums when we're looking 30 or 40 years out. Um, the transportation that we and it's going to be rapid transit. Uh, Doug, we're having incredibly bad connection problems here. We're going to have to drop the call. We'll try and pick it back up. That's Surrey Mayor Doug McCollum here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we need to. got in the way. I don't think we need to continue that conversation. Uh, it's, it's not thought out. And I don't really want to give it any more attention because I feel like it's not a, a – a, a realistic plan. It's not, I don't know if there's just politics, if this is a distraction. Um, I, it just seems crazy to me. I, that's all. Well, that's put it this crazy. way. Well, let's, just put, crazy. let's put it I this way. Remove, remove ourselves from the conversation for a second. Uh, we spent a fair amount of time researching this in the last 24 to 48 hours. I have yet to see uh, anyone, unless I'm, I want to say anyone with a credible credibility, a shred of credibility in terms of punditry or analysis say that this is a good, solid plan. Yeah. I know that other mayoral candidates in Surrey are obviously going to push back against something because they are in the midst of a campaign, and that's how the political campaign process works. But we're talking about them calling it quite reckless. Uh, another one called it a white elephant wandering out of left field. <laughs> like, they're not even talking about taking the proposal at its merit, which, I mean, we tried to do there for a while, but when... You're, when you ask the questions and you're kind of being fed very nebulous responses. Like I have to, I had to jump in. I know. Like I had to jump in. You know, normally I don't like cutting people off, but you know, the Canucks for a farm team in a sixty thousand seat stadium. He's talking about how he started the interview off with you know Surrey's being awarded all these these sports events, which I know they are, but I don't think the World Fast Pitch uh, competition needs a sixty thousand seat stadium. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm almost offended because I'm a fan of stadiums, like, and I know a lot about stadiums. You do love and I, I just love stadiums, right? Like, and I know, I know that, for example, in the CFL, there's been uh, a push, and this isn't even a recent push, mm-hmm. into more, um, what do you call it, intimate atmospheres, right? And like, one of the problems with BC places is too big. And that was my issue when they actually renovated BC Place. I didn't like the renovation of BC Place because I realized that it was going to create problems. Mm-hmm. And it's created problems, right? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. No, I, I understand where your anger and frustration is coming from. I, I've known Jason for a long time, and that is something. Like, I love stadiums. Love. I love a good stadium. I remember when we met, um, God, who was the, the, the brief, brief tenured Whitecaps? Mark Panis, CEO. And he, of course, prior to joining the Whitecaps for a brief period of time, was working with AS Roma for Serie A to build a stadium in Rome. And I remember Bruff's eyes got all lit up. He's like, yeah. oh my God, this is the zenith of Bruff stadium love. Uh-huh. And he referred to stadiums in multiple as stadia. Yeah, remember stadia. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, ooh, I like that a lot. I think I'm going to put that in the old repertoire. And feedback rate, is coming in. Yeah, the feedback, I mean, it was kind of fish in a barrel there in terms of all the... Um, content he, he he was giving us it I, I i don't know you know what to, to be perfectly honest with you 
I'm almost confused okay, by, so the- by, by the, this whole thing. I'm confused. And, I'm, and, and on the one hand, my cynical side is saying, is this a political ploy to distract for some other stuff going on? Is this a political ploy just to get a name in the news? Because I think the problem, like I don't know too much about Surrey politics, but one of the things I was told is that the name recognition of some of the other candidates isn't up there with Mayor McCallum because Mayor McCallum has been around for a long time. He has name recognition, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So are we feeding into this name recognition? Potentially, but we were doing it within the context of our show. I think that's important to point out. We were talking about the stadium and only the stadium. I would like to add a couple things to this conversation since ours kind of ended abruptly with the phone connection. Uh, According to CTV News, they reached out to the BC Lions for comment on a couple of things, including the claim... McCallum's claim that half of BC Lions fans come from Surrey. Courtesy of Matt Baker, the manager of communications and content with the Lions, he said, quote, that is just one of those lazy narratives that gets mentioned. We have a strong base in Surrey, yes, but half of the ticket buyers would seem like a stretch. Baker then went on to say, we don't really have anything to say on this, the proposed stadium plan, as we had no knowledge of it prior to yesterday. So again, talking about the Lions as a practice facility tenant, is a long stretch from having them being a tenant in a proposed 60,000-seat stadium Yeah, that's not going to have any parking. So I, I just want to make it clear that this isn't me um, saying that the city of Surrey isn't stadium-worthy, if that's a thing. Like I, I, we, We've talked a lot about whether or not they should build uh, a junior hockey, like major junior hockey-sized arena in Surrey. Um, and a lot of that has been related to the Vancouver Giants or maybe the city of Surrey itself gets a WHL team. You know, if Chilliwack got awarded a a WHL Mm -hmm. team, why wouldn't Surrey be able to get a WHL team? So we've talked about that and that's not unreasonable. We've talked about maybe a a 25,000 seat stadium. If, if the Lions ever did consider moving to the Valley, like if, if that's what they if that's what they decided to do, maybe their lease runs out of BC Place, and they go, all right, maybe Surrey is where we should go. They're going to build a sixty thousand seat stadium for that. They wouldn't want that. They would maybe build thirty thousand expandable for a great. But I feel like I'm going down this road here, You're and going it's down like the road, it's like right. it's like kind of you know, it's it's that's <sighs> fine. It's it's a passion for you. We've never been known to cut one another off when we're talking about something that we genuinely care about. We've spent a lot of time. I just don't want to make it sound like I I don't understand how big Surrey is and how many people are there and how many sports fans there are, but there's also like being real. Mm -hmm. Of all the texts that we're getting in right now, my personal favorite is this one because it just goes to show one, where we're at as a society sometimes. Why weren't you guys this critical of the COVID scam? (laughs) (laughs) That is perfect. That is perfect. Okay. Why don't we uh, finish the show? We got about 10 minutes left doing some good old fashioned. Ask us anything. Does that sound good? Uh, Or do you, are you? The the Dunbar lumber text line is so full right now that. You almost have to ignore it because it's just this sea of. Every expected response, right? Let's be honest. We knew what we were going to get going into this. I have to be, I have to admit, I am now very 
quite interested in how the Surrey election goes. He's going to be monitoring it election night. He's invested. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very invested. Well, yeah. You could have had a say on a specific political outcome, Jason. Imagine that. Someone, people, people texting and chops for political journalism, maybe. Oh God, I think that job would be so fun. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor. But don't you think that would, I mean, there's so so much fish in a barrel stuff out there. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, I know, you know, mm-hmm. my, my thoughts, on it would be fun. My thoughts on politics and politics, but then I'd have, but then I'd have to like follow politics. You have to be heavily in, invested in it. Yeah. I think you also have to understand. I'd rather follow sports. I also think you also Just give me to, the cliches about get the pucks in deep. Part of, it, fine. part of it is you have to understand the game that you're covering when yeah. it comes to that. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's very different. From the games that we're used to covering is, I don't want to say sports journalists. That's too strong. Sports <laughs> too fans strong. on the, sports fans on the radio is about right. Okay. Rob and Surrey, ask us anything Friday. Of all the cities you've been to in North America covering sports, what is your favorite destination and why you can't say Las Vegas? That's easy. Ooh. Nashville. I Nashville love, for you. I love. You love Nashville. I love Nashville. Right? Yeah. yeah. I've been three, four times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's here. The caveat here. Not a family trip. You can't bring the kids. It's not that. It's just, it, right. it, it, I'm sure you can but find you know stuff what? to it's do. It's not as rated R as Vegas. No, no, no. But it's not. It's more designed, wholesome than to Vegas. To be honest, I think you'd have a better time in, in Vegas with kids than you would in Nashville. It's just not built for kids. Yeah. It's not super. Kids stuff. It's not There's super, a lot of honky tonks that you're going in. That's yeah. Like, it's it's a very cool snapshot of. <laughs> my, my son would like a Miller Lite. Yeah, right. And a cigarette, maybe. I don't know, but. But it's it's a very it's a cool snapshot. But it's just it's a great city. Mm-hmm. It's super affordable. It's fun. The only downside is getting there because you have to connect. The flights are not great from Vancouver. Uh, mine is down to three cities. One is an underdog in Pittsburgh. Like, and then there are two favorites between Chicago and New York. That's a tough one. I'm gonna rule out Pittsburgh because yeah, it's Pittsburgh, right? It's a nice place. But if you're ever in Pittsburgh, you know, like go see a ball game there. The the stadium, speaking of stadiums, better than the team. Um, oh man, Chicago or New York. They just got such a different energy. Like New York's energy, you can't describe it until you're there. New York I is remember, a simulation. So almost. <laughs> my sister used to work there and I and I would and I would go down and, and, and visit her. Um, and the first time I ever went to New York. I went into, I woke up, um, and I, the first day I was there, first full day, I went to the Starbucks and the first customer I saw at Starbucks got into a yelling match with the barista about like something about her coffee. Right. And she was screaming at her and like having a major freak out, like just like a breakdown. And I'm like. Ah, New York. Yeah, like, she, there is an energy here. New York point, had Karens before Karens became a thing. Yeah. That was but, it. It, but it was just like, everyone else there was just like, eh, you know, welcome to New York. Yeah. You know, it's it's that sort of energy. Chicago's a big city, but it's still got like a Midwest feel. Yeah. It, it's like, I've often hey, heard it described hey, how are you doing? I've often you know? heard it described as like New York, but with nicer people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like New York more, but Chicago's mm-hmm. great as well. But I think I, I would probably, Nashville. I would probably choose New York just because it's got that great energy and, and it's a feeling that, you know, like you, as soon as you get into that city, you, you're, you're hyper aware. Have uh, you two ever flown out of Seattle because either A, it was cheaper or B, because there was no connecting flight? 
Um, I've done the stop over in Seattle. I've oh. never driven to the airport oh, really? to fly out. And ev- yeah, I don't think I have. Um, I really li- I like the airport. They have the Sub Pop store in their airport. That's always fun to go there. Uh, Jeff and Langley with a, what we learned, not an ask us anything. What I learned is that Roger Federer will make ninety million this year without playing a single tennis match. Did you see yesterday that the new Roger Federer kicks dropped? No. So how do he make this ninety million? Uh, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it's all through sponsorship. But how do they estimate this? I have no idea. I just wanted more to. Is talk this like to- the Forbes valuations where they just kind of like? Yeah, it's maybe this, probably this. Yes, and I also wanted to talk more about the shoes because you have them, right? You have Roger Federer shoes. No. Oh, the Ons. Yeah. There's Ons, but they're not yeah. the Federer Ons. Oh, so there's a separate line within yes. the Ons. Yes, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Cause I but, saw- they're, but they are Ons, like they're yeah. not another brand, no. yeah, right? Yeah, the, uh, they're pretty sick, I'm not going to lie. Because they're, he, they're pretty I, great. He, he they was, look awesome. He was an investor in that company. So he's got a certain amount of equity in that company. I think I read a Forbes article which called him tennis's first billionaire. Right. Between the, between the on-court earnings and then the gargantuan sums of money he makes. The everything. On-court on earnings? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, the the shoes, the mids, by the way, and that's not what the youths refer to as like middling, like they're the mid-cut. They were, Darren Ravel, who I follow despite my own better leanings on Twitter, he's got the pictures of them up on his – and I actually, I was like, I got to go get a pair. Recently priced. So Drance and Dollywell have just dropped an article at The Athletic. Um, it's titled, What We're Hearing About the JT Miller Dynamic and the Canucks Plan for Training Camp. The JT Miller stuff, uh, there isn't much there, really. It's more of the same. Uh, there is a bit of a conversation about how uh, the JT Miller camp might approach things at training camp or at the start of regular season, basically say like negotiations are cut off at the start of the regular season. I encourage you to go and read this article. If you have a subscription to the athletic, I did find the inter- the most interesting problem part of this was, um, for me at least, um, was right at the bottom when it talked about the training camp preparation. And Drancer and Dollywall are reporting that it's going to be a different Canucks training camp from the Travis Green training camps in that it won't be so much like a fitness training camp in the bag skates. Uh, uh-huh. Do you remember the, the Ole Ulevi Memorial bag skate? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he writes that Boudreaux wants to ease his veteran players in both during camp and in the preseason, the on-ice sessions are going to be focused more on systems work as opposed to the fitness-focused training that were hallmarks of camps under the previous bench boss. Now, the systems work is going to be interesting because we all know that Bruce Boudreaux was given some homework this offseason by management, uh, and he was going to work with his coaching staff on some system stuff. Uh, for example, breaking the puck out of their own zone, I'm sure there's some other things around the ice. Um, I'm also going to be very curious to see how the penalty kill and the power play uh, looks at training camp and if they have any changes to that. The PK is one of the things that sunk them last year. You know, if I think back to the start of last season, there were two things. PD didn't look him didn't look right, and neither did Besser, but more PD. Uh, and the penalty kill was historically bad. Yep. And that sunk them. So they've added some penalty killers and Mikheyev and Lazar and 
I'll be curious to see if Elias Pettersson is still killing penalties or Quinn Hughes is still out there killing penalties. Um, and then obviously the power play is going to need to be strong uh, in order for the Canucks to uh, compete for a playoff spot. Special teams are going to be key. So we'll be watching, first of all, the, the system stuff, X's and O's at, at training camp. Uh, the special teams training camp is just a few weeks away. We're into hockey season soon. Well, we finally... But first a vacation for us. Yeah, that's it. I'm out of here. We, they, we finally got a text in supporting uh, the 60,000-seat stadium in Surrey. So kudos to that guy that just texted in. But guess what? That was Doug McCallum, by the way. <laughs> We are out of here for now. We're gone next week. We'll be back after Labor Day. Enjoy the rest of August, folks. Signing off for now, I have been Mike Alford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been Nephew Dom, and he's been A-Dog. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Quimby, if you were running for mayor, he'd vote for you. Paid for by the mayor. Quimby for mayor. Mayoral committee.